Good morning. Morning, morning. So a few things this morning. One, I'm choosing to wear heels. Because if I didn't, the table is almost as tall as me, and then I pop up the computer, and everyone says, we can't really see you behind it. So I'm going to attempt the heels, OK? This is an attempt. It may not work. We're going we're gonna to find out. So if, for those of you who don't know, pastors are away at a minister's conference. And they're getting some good word that they're going to bring back, and it's going to be phenomenal. And I am Christine. I am the children's director here, and they have given me the opportunity to preach today. I love teaching, and who knew a few years ago I would love preaching even more. It's just so much fun. I love it. So today I want to talk about not overcomplicating it. <clears throat> so recently there was a survey, survey that went out across social media, Facebook, Twitter, all the ones I don't know because of my age. And one of the questions was, what do you think? is the biggest reason people struggle to make a decision. Any guesses? Very good. Overwhelmingly, almost in every answer, it was fear. Fear of a mistake, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of getting hurt, fear of what others will think, fear of rejection, fear of missing out on something better, fear of making the wrong decision. And this actually was put out through a Christian organization when they did it. And almost 100% were, I'm afraid to miss God. I'm afraid that I'm not hearing him and I'm going to miss him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Because walking in God's light and following his voice and direction can actually be one of the easiest things you do. Does it require faith? Yes. But it doesn't have to be this overwhelming fear of which wire do I cut? I always look at it this time when people are afraid to miss God. What if I miss God? What if I miss God? It's a lot like choosing the red wire or the blue wire. Which one? And then people just kind of close their eyes and make a choice and hope they don't blow up, right? Please, God, don't let it be wrong. And it's just so much fear and anxiety and stress over the situation, whether it's a small one or a large one. And a lot of times, deep down, we know the answer. Blue wire. Right there on this screen right here, it goes from one end to the other. See how you, all you have to do is go across. Simple. Well, that's not what happened, right? But we begin to panic and we overprocess. We overprocess the what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if this? But then, but this, what if? And we start to bring in the stress and the anxiety when all along it was just make a choice. God's there. It's going to be okay, right? So I'm going to start with our key scripture today, Philippians 1, 9 through 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So did you see that? God gave you the ability to discern what is best. You, you have that ability. So gaining knowledge and depth of insight allows us to develop a trustworthy discernment. So I'm going to break these down for you. Go ahead and put up the definition slide. Knowledge. Knowledge is wisdom that comes from acquiring truth. And I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. <clears throat> insight is wisdom that comes from living out the truth you just acquired. And discernment is wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit's reminders of that knowledge and insight. 
See, that's one of the amazing things about the Holy Spirit. He helps us to remember the knowledge and insight so that we can show it and demonstrate it in our everyday decision-making, right? So if we're looking back at knowledge, the wisdom that comes from acquiring truth, where are you getting your truth? Because today I'm talking about truth, God's truth. You're reading the word, you're talking to God, you're praying with him daily, you're acquiring this truth. That's knowledge. If you're getting it from your news, from your coworkers, from other things, that's not the same type of knowledge. Insight is when you take what you just learned from your daily time with God, your daily reading and talking to him, and now you're applying it to your life. You're walking it out. You're meditating on those scriptures. You're choosing to walk in love. You're working on not taking offense. You're working on being patient and kind with your words. Right? You're walking it out. So then you get to discernment, and that's when the Holy Spirit says, okay, remember, you have knowledge. You've been gaining knowledge, and you have insight, so you know what decision to make. You are capable of making this choice in this moment, right? So I was recently reading a book, and this author talked about how to filter decisions in a way where you are able to utilize these three powerhouses, knowledge, insight, and discernment. So I'm going to go ahead and share those with you. Her first example was she was at a gym with a woman working out, and this lady was panicking and stressing over, do I put my child in preschool this many days a week or do I keep them home? And for anyone who's ever had kids, that's hard. Private school, public school, homeschool, not homeschool. Which school is a lot. A lot riding on that decision. And while she's talking to her, the mom is saying, you know, I, I think it's okay to put her in school, but I just don't know. What if I'm not hearing right? What if I'm missing God? What ifs, right? Remember that maze? And she said to her, well, let me ask you three questions. It's the filtering system. First, have you been reading and praying through God's word lately? Second, have you been applying God's word in your life lately? Specifically in this situation around parenting. Have you been doing that? Last, have you sought godly counsel and insight from wise people who know specifics about your situation? Three simple questions. And the answer to all three of them was, yes, I'm doing that. And she said, well, guess what? Make your choice. You, you know what choice to make. You know your best. You know the decision that you need to make. She didn't need to wait for some sign to propel her forward. She needed to just make her decision. See, deep down, she knew the answer. Blue wire. She knew that. But she was letting fear of what if I'm wrong keep her stressed out and second-guessing. Right? I love something that Lisa Bevere said. She said, so many people are afraid to miss God. And I've heard it loads. I mean, I've even had my times where you're just like, what if I'm wrong, right? And she went on to say, God is such a big target. It's nearly impossible to miss him, especially when you are choosing to seek him. When you are actively trying to do God's will, you can't miss him, guys. One of the only 100% ways to miss him is when you do nothing, when you don't step out and you don't walk out in faith. That's one of the only ways that you can actually completely miss God. So what it comes down to is a trusting. It's trusting in the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus said he would. This lady who knew the choice but was starting to say, what if, what if, she wasn't truly trusting in the Holy Spirit. Because John 10, no, John 14, 26 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will 
remind you of everything I have said to you. So if she truly trusted that the Holy Spirit is teaching her and reminding her, she wouldn't have been having such a hard time with her decision. Right? So now let's look at another scenario. Same lady was hanging out with a middle-aged 20-year-old, and she was trying to determine if she should change jobs. And in her conversation, the girl goes, well, I have this gut feeling that I should just go for it. And this author asked her the same three questions. Okay, have you been reading and praying through God's word lately? Have you been applying God's word to your life lately? And have you sought godly counsel and insight from wise people who know specifics about your situation? And her response to those was pretty much no. She hadn't picked up her Bible in a while. College had gotten busy. She would go out on Saturday nights with friends, so she was too tired to make Sunday service. She would occasionally catch it on YouTube. And she did talk to friends, but godly and wise, that was an iffy, right? And so she encouraged her to wait in her decision. Why? Because there was no truth-based foundation of knowledge and insight in her life. So she couldn't really have the discernment to know what was best. See, with that girl, <clears throat> it was her gut feeling. There is a big difference between intuition and discernment. Intuition is a perception of truth, so our perception of truth, independent from any reasoning process. There is no reasoning process to a gut feeling. But discernment allows us to know what's best because we've checked it against truth-based knowledge and insight, God's truth-based knowledge and insight. So when we are in the daily habit of seeking wisdom, God's wisdom in our lives, then we become powerfully effective decision-makers. We can be, but it's in the daily, the everyday habits that we have that make us capable of discerning God's voice in the everyday. So while you're at home, while you're sitting here, hopefully your mind's asking, am I reading and praying daily? Am I applying what I read and hear in my life daily? Am I seeking godly friends and godly counsel? I mean, some of us don't get to work in a godly environment. Our families, maybe we're the only ones saved out of it, but you're here so you have friends that you could text and call during the week to still get that godly insight and have that godly feed into your life, right? <clears throat> Are you making the choice to do that? Because when you're gaining and collecting knowledge and insight, then when a decision comes, the Holy Spirit pulls it up out of you. You hear his voice, and you can easily make a decision without overcomplicating it because you're so full of him, and you just know. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. You know his voice. If you are actively seeking God and spending time with him, you know his voice. But the catch is you have to believe that you know his voice and that you hear his voice. And I'm not just talking about big, giant decisions. I'm talking about little mundane choices that we're getting knowledge from God and applying his word to everything. Do I bathe my kid before dinner or after dinner? It seems like a small decision, but it can have big effects. So it's all the little details of everyday things. Do I go to this event? Do I not? You can be applying this process to everything in your life so that when the big decisions come, it's even easier to walk it out because you've been doing it all this time. Now I can hear people at home and see wheels turning. Well, I don't hear from God. That sounds great, but I don't know his voice. I don't, I don't hear from God. So I had this pastor friend of mine. She was telling a story about when she went to Ramah, long enough that she was with Hagen. And she would go to these Hagen meetings, and everyone around her would be like, I hear from God, I hear God, I see things, and oh my goodness, and she never did. She's like, I can't hear. 
Like, she would leave the prayer meetings and just be like, I, I heard nothing. I saw nothing. And she really wanted to. She was hungry for God. God, I'm yielding to you. I want to do this and I want to do that. And this went on for years where she would leave prayer events and just be like, I still can't hear anything. And finally, one day, one of her friends got so tired of hearing her say this that she stopped her and said, you know you're getting exactly what you keep saying, right? And this confused her. She's like, no, but I want to hear from God. I'm actively seeking God. And she goes, yeah, but every time we leave something, you say you didn't hear from God and you couldn't hear. So she said, really, deep down, do you truly believe that you can hear? And then it took her a second, and she realized she was blocking herself. That deep down, she really didn't believe she was ever going to hear like everyone else. So in that moment, <clears throat> she was standing there, and she goes, God, you meant for every one of us to know your will, to hear your voice. And she learned that she needed to change her thoughts, right? She said, when the thought would come up, again, I didn't hear or I didn't see, she would flip it on the devil and say, no, I see and I know and I hear my father's voice. And she started saying, I always see, I always hear, and I always know. She refused to let the words come out, I can't hear anymore, right? And her whole life was transformed. Why? Because she changed her thought process and she began to confess, I do see, I can hear, and I do know. So if you're someone who's always like, mm, I can't hear from God, I don't know his voice, I can't tell, what are you saying? Because what you're saying is really what you believe. So whether or not you did, if you believe you can, say it. I can. I can see. I can hear. I do know. And these are things that I apply in my own life. So back to our decision making, how do we end up overcomplicating decisions in our lives? So I read this in a book. It said, left unchecked are fears, foolishness, and feelings will cause us to overcomplicate our decisions. Left unchecked. We're not checking it against anything. But the word that caught me in that was fears. That goes back to that survey. Whether they were Christian or not, everyone responded with they're afraid of something. So it's important that to flip our fears into a healthier fear that leads to wisdom. How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. In Proverbs 9:10, in the message, it says, Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. There are several words in Hebrew for fear. But in these scriptures, the word is yaira. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But that's what it is. Which means being in awe of God. It's someone who sees the hand of God in everything. So I love that. When you're facing an obstacle or an opportunity, we need to stop and look for God in all of it. And then wisdom begins. This morning, Pastor Michael with the Team Devo, and I highly recommend that you listen to it, he talked about how when good things happen to you, it's good. When bad things happen to you, it's good. Why can he say that? Because he sees the hand of God in everything. And you know what's amazing about that? Is that's the beginning of wisdom. It's setting you on the right path. 
the diagnosis, not good. But you're going to say, no, it's good. I see God in this. God's going to turn it out for good. He's going to work it out for my good. You lose your job. You lose your home. It's good. Why? Because God. I see God in this. God's in this. It might not feel like he's in this in the moment, but he is. Right? So let's read Psalms 111, verse 10 again, but with that definition. Look for the hand of God in everything, for this is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. So now we have wisdom operating as well as knowledge and insight. And the Holy Spirit is turning on our discernment to show us now the choice to make. So all we have to do now is make the decision. We have to move forward, determined not to overcomplicate it. But we have to do it with faith and courage. I mean, that's the catch to all of it. You have to make a decision. And you're not closing your eyes, hoping that you don't blow up when you cut the wire. That's not doing it in confident trust that your God is there no matter what. Right? It's that full confidence part that's hard. You listen to great sermons. You spend time with God. And you comes time to make big decisions. And you've thought about it. And you've prayed about it. And you've talked with friends about it. But now it comes time to make that decision. And we panic. And we freeze. Why? Because fear is strangling the momentum that was propelling us in that direction. We were heading in the right direction, and fear came and started to strangle us back. And now we, we start to complicate it. And, and the fear, to me, that it really comes down to is fear of failure. What if I'm wrong? That's the big thing for everybody and everything. What if I'm wrong? So I know for me, growing up in church, I'll age myself a little, in the 80s, and it was a really big thing back then about don't step out of God's will. If you stepped out of God's will, then the devil's darts are going to get you. And were they wrong? No. It's definitely not good to be out of God's will. But the way that it was presented instilled this debilitating fear of sinning against God. The way that it was brought out. You had this fear of, oh my gosh, if I make the wrong decision, then I'm just, I'm in, I mean, good luck not coming back, right? And it caused you to not want to make a decision because you were so scared to sin against God. And you begin to agonize over decisions. And, you know, for me, I so desperately wanted to make the right choice and be in God's will, but then you're just so wrought with anxiety and fear because I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to help you today to take this weight off of you. If you have a genuine desire to please God with the decisions you make, and in the end, it proves to be a mistake. You cut the wrong wire. Then it's an error. It's not an end. It's just an error. I teach second grade. When my students are coming back from recess because they sucker punch somebody in the face, happens way more than you think, they, they don't walk up to me and I go, wow, you're a failure. Guess what? Can't go back to school. You just ruined your entire life. Can't do it. No education for you. You're ridiculous. Can't even handle you right now. No. Right? I don't. It's a, uh, do we think that was a good choice? Thinking no. What other choices could have we have made? Let's think this through. And it's just an error. An error in judgment. A big one. Could there be consequences with it? Yes. But you learn and you grow through it. You work through it, 
and you go out and you try again. It wasn't an end. People think, especially in Christian circles, you miss God, then that's it. Bummer. That's not how God operates. No, it's just, it's an error. Let's talk about it, grow through this, and let's get out there and do it again. He's such a loving God. But people see him as this God that's waiting for everyone to mess up, and he's not. So I talked to you about how to filter a decision through God's word in your daily life moments. When you do this, you're equipping yourself to make thoughtful, prayerful decisions. And now you have to step out in faith and trust God for that outcome. You just have to do it and believe God's there with you. So a while ago in my late 20s, I had a choice to make. Go back to college and get a degree or pursue this other job that I really wanted to do with kids. And that's a big decision. We were also talking about having kids at the time. There's a lot of money involved in that. There's a lot of time involved in that. There's a lot of what ifs, right? So I was in the word, seeking God, speaking to God, speaking to godly people. And, but ultimately, I had to make this choice. Now, one of the things that I've always been taught, I call it the follow the peace method. And really what that means is I'm going to see if, what I have peace for. So you get quiet by yourself, and I say, go to college. And I sit, and I wait quietly. What's coming out of my spirit? Am I getting that overwhelming cloak of peace? Don't go to college. Sometimes that can take a few days of just asking God in your quiet time. Are you getting this little red flag of like, maybe not, then that's no. (laughs) Just so you know. It's peace or no peace. But for this particular decision, I had nothing. I was doing that multiple times a day, and I was like, I don't know. I felt peaceful about both choices, and they both were drastically different choices that were going to take my life down two very different roads. And I didn't know what to do, right? There's pros and cons to both of them. So as I was driving one day, a preacher said this to me, and my whole perspective of God and decision-making changed. They said, so many people stress over knowing God's will and what the right choice to make is. But sometimes God gives two or more choices that would all please him and all be his will. We get to choose. Keith Moore said, if you feel peaceful about both choices, then God's saying, pick one. I'll be there, just pick one. And he went on to say, if you miss it, you'll know. And God will still be there and go, yeah, no, come back and let's try that again. But sometimes when we don't know because we feel either way, we're so waiting for God to just tell us. And God's like, I'm waiting for you to pick. Just pick it. Right? I mean, grabbing a hold of that mindset, that ultimately strengthens our relationship with God. Because we're exercising stepping out in faith, trusting God to give us discernment that we can choose wisely. It goes back to that first verse where we have the ability to discern what's best. See, faith only grows. That little mustard seed that Aaron showed only grows when you use it. When you apply thought and prayer to your choices and then trust God for that outcome. It does not grow when you sit there and agonize a fear of failure. So you remember how I said that God's a big target and he's hard to miss. Joyce Meyer one time She was making some sort of decision, and she kept going to God and going, but what if I miss you? But what if I miss you? See, everyone has those times. Even preachers have those moments of like, but what if I'm wrong? And she remembered very distinctly, God said, if you miss me, I'll find you. I'll get you right back on track. Now, why didn't God say, no, you're 100% right. Do it. 
because he wants her to activate her faith. He wants her to learn how to discern. Maybe she was going to discern correctly or not. It didn't matter. He wanted her to apply her faith to grow. God wants us to grow in him. And you can't grow if you're always waiting for him to tell you exactly what to do. He wants you to discern. He wants you to get that knowledge and insight and make those choices, right? I love that. <clears throat> it's all a heart issue. All comes down to your heart. You don't have to worry about anything. If your heart is right with God and you're pursuing God, then, guys, enjoy life. God came to give you life and give it in abundance. He loves you so much. He isn't sitting there waiting for you to screw up. No, he, has, he is a good, loving God, but we have to believe that. We have to believe he's not going to leave us and he's not going to let us fall. So going now to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. If you look up this verse in multiple different versions, I had a bunch for Joe, and then last night at like midnight, I was like, take him down. But <laughs> if you had them all in different versions, they all say the same thing. They have one common theme. You're either trusting in God or trusting in your own understanding. If you're trusting in yourself, this is how you know. This is your check. You're staring at all the possible ways you can fail. What if I don't hear God? Oh. So you're trusting in yourself at that moment. You're leaning on your own understanding. What if I don't hear from him? What if I'm wrong? That's a you thing. But see, when you're trusting in God, then you're going to stare at all the possible ways he'll use that decision whether you fail or succeed. God, you got this. I know you're going to get this. Right? Have you ever heard the saying, you steer where you stare. It reminds me of a Dr. Seuss quote that I use a lot with my students. <clears throat> but it says, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Right? When you're staring at failure, what if I miss God? What if, what if? Then you're going to convince yourself that the failure is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And you're going to stay stuck. And you're not going to grow. But when you stare at all the ways that God can use your decision, whether you succeed or fail, then you're going to face that decision with God, stepping out in faith rather than stuck in fear. So I watch kids on the monkey bars all the time. They get up there. They're so excited. And they jump out to that first bar. And then you see in their face, this was a mistake. <laughs> Pure panic, instantaneously. What did I do? Right? And they're like, they're hanging there, <coughs> frozen in fear. And you could tell in their mind, what if I fall? What if I don't make it? This is not going well, right? They just hang there, and they start shaking. Why? Because stress. They're stressed out. Eventually, they start yelling for help, and you walk over there, and you're like, okay, listen, the ground is like right there. It's not far. Just, just let go. But they're so overcome with fear that they won't. They need you to take them down to the ground. Now, some kids, they do. They let go, and they realize the ground wasn't that far away. It hurt, maybe, maybe a scratch. But did they die? No. <laughs> Literally, side note, so that's one of my favorite quotes. And my sister-in-law this summer, we were walking around, and it was on a shirt, and she goes, oh, it's your shirt. I say that all the time. Even to my students, they'll come in, and something happened. I'm like, did you die? And they're like, no. I'm like, good, sit down. We're good. We're okay now. 
<laughs> I really am a good teacher, guys. Okay. <laughs> so one of those things. So <laughs> yes. they realize that, okay, that hurt. That wasn't super fun. But it wasn't the end, right? No, they get back up. They kind of maybe talk it out. How can we do this again? And they move forward until they prove to themselves that they can do it. But I'm going to tell you right now, those kiddos that just hang there, stressed out and exhausted, that don't actually fall, most of the time, they don't get up and try again. The ones that I take down, they go play something else. They're too afraid now. They never experienced the fall. They never had the faith in me to attempt it. And now they can't do it, right? So much of this is like decision-making. You step out, and things seem harder than you thought. That happens a lot. You're like, oh, this is not as easy as I thought. Uncertainty creeps in, and now you have choices. You're either realizing, okay, this was a mistake. I missed it. And you let go. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. But God's still right there going, no worries. No, we're going to fix it. Well, let's do it again. Or maybe you're spot on, and you keep grabbing the next bar and the next bar in confident faith that you're hearing from God and discerning his voice. Or what 80% of the people do is you step out, and then you freak out. And you overcomplicate your next step. What if I miss God? What if I fail? What if I fall and break a bone? And you just hang there, stressed and exhausted. Sometimes it is easier to overcome a fall and a break than the fear of failure. Just like those kids that fall, they get up and go again. The ones that didn't fall, they don't. Because the fear of failure is too big. Right? That's how the devil torments us, though with fear. He makes the gap between trusting God and leaning on yourself massive. Sometimes those kids on those monkey bars, I mean, if they just tip their toes, they could touch the ground, guys. It is not far. <laughs> but in their mind, it's 5,000 feet away, and they're flipping out, and they can't let go. That's what the devil does, though. You go to make this decision, and he makes it seem like there's so much space if you miss it. And there's not. Because you want to trust this God, but he keeps that fear there from you fully believing and trusting in a loving father. He makes that gap seem massive. So with my own kids, when I encourage my kids and I say, okay, you can do it, trust me. Just let go or trust me, just reach for the next bar. But they don't. And then they panic and now they're screaming and I have to take them down. It's a little sad as a parent. They didn't trust me. They didn't believe that I wouldn't let them get hurt, right? I'm not going to let you get hurt. Sometimes we watch our kids miss out on great things because they're so afraid and they don't trust that I know what I'm talking about, that they're going to be okay, that there's so much greatness if they just did it. If you just do this, it's going to be so much fun, I promise. And they just can't seem to deal, right? And that's hard as a parent. You sit there and go, bud, just, if you were to just trust me, I'm not going to let anything bad happen. And God is saying that all the time to us in our decision making. Right? Yes. He's like, no, but I have all this goodness if you just, you just got to just let go. There's going to be so much more. It's going to be good. Let it go. But we don't. And he, he helps us down. And we go a different path. And he's like, okay. I mean, I'll follow you where you want to go. I let my kids move on. But part of you is sad that they missed out on what they could have had. Now, I can hear some of you thinking, again, at home and here, 
Well, it's just a monkey bar story. Life choices can be devastating. And you're right, they can. But are you trying to tell me that God's not able to fix it? That he can't repair it? That he can't restore back to you what you've lost? Is it just too much for God? No, he's, he's able. So in my own family, and I didn't tell them I was going to do this, so hi. So in my own family, <laughs> going to get a phone call later. What? I've watched them believe they're hearing from God. Step out and make some massively big life choices, guys. Life-altering choices. And then, and fully believe. I mean, everyone believes they're hearing from God. Thank you, God. You're in the word. You're listening to godly counsel. And somewhere, somehow, they missed it. They missed God. And after pouring in all this money and all this time and fully believing, it comes out, you've lost everything. You're bankrupt. You go from a home to an apartment somewhere. Everything's gone. Right? So was that it? Was that the end? Their life's over. Nothing good can happen of this. No. God's there to say, okay, you're doing real good. But here's where we kind of got off track. Here's where we missed it. But don't worry, we're going to fix it. And does this happen overnight? No. Are there growing pains? Yes. When you fall off the monkey bars and break your arm, is there pain? Yes. Is there a process to the healing? Yes. But it's not the end. No. I mean, now they live in a beautiful place, half a mile from a beach, where it's like perfect weather all the time. It's fantastic. Did it take them time to get there? Yeah. Did they ever once say, I guess we missed it. I guess I can't hear from God. Not going to try that again. No. They didn't. So here's something I hope you're going to cling to and take with you. Something that will help you overcome the fear. Are you guys ready? There is no such thing as a perfect decision. It does not exist. There is good and bad choices. Yes. But what gets many of us isn't really the good and bad choices. Because a lot of times you know. Youth, I get to come preach too soon. You know when you shouldn't get in the car with that friend, when you shouldn't go to that party. You know. You just ignore it. So it's not really the good and bad choices that get people every day. It's the good and good choices. Back to my college decision. Take the plunge and go back to college so I can teach or take this other job that I enjoy that also works with kids. It was good and good. Should I sleep one more hour so my mind will be sharp today or get up to do the early morning workouts so my body's in shape? Good and good. Should I teach that Bible study every Wednesday night at church or be home to help my kids with homework? Good and good. That's what gets everyone stressed out. <clears throat> These types of decisions happen every day and we begin to overcomplicate which one is the perfect choice, which one is the right choice. But sometimes there's no perfect choice. So just let that weight go. It sets you free from a fear of a mistake when you realize that it's good and good. <clears throat> yes, you want to please God with your decisions, but you also need to demonstrate your trust in him by making a decision and not in fear and anxiety, but in faith. Each choice we make has a combination of good and not so good. Even if you're following his will, even if you had a sign from God and a clear direction, you're still going to have some not so good moments. In that journey. Take marriage, for instance. I love my husband. I follow God in my decision to marry him. We have a great marriage. It was a good decision to marry each other. 
but it wasn't a decision that always feels perfect. Does it? No, it does not. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, why? So, you know, it's one of those things. I love you though. <laughs> now on the other side of that, can we make a decision that doesn't feel perfect because indeed it was a mistake? Yes. But that's where you have to, beginning of wisdom, you see God in everything and know that God's there. He didn't just abandon you because you missed it. No, he's going to help you turn it around and fix it. I love this quote. It says, my imperfections will never override God's promises. Catch this part. God's promises are not dependent on my ability to choose well. His promises are not dependent on my ability to choose well, but rather on his ability to use well. He can use anything, even a mistake. And that's that belief. You have to believe that even if you were wrong, but you're believing you're right. Back to my family, they believed they were right. They were wrong. But they believed that no matter what, God was going to fix it, turn it around, make it good. He can use that situation. His promises were not dependent on them being right in their choice. <clears throat> Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good of those who love him. That's what it comes down to. It's, again, your heart. If we truly love God and we're truly seeking him and want to be guided by him, then, guys, it's going to be okay. Right or wrong, mistakes or not, God's going to work for your good. So, again, weight being lifted off. God loves you. If you love him and you're making these choices because you love him, he's there. It's okay. So if your heart and mind are aligned in the direction of God, then you don't have to agonize over your decisions. You're going to steer where you stare, and your certainty has to lie in him. So as a teacher in reading, after I'm done reading things, I always ask the kids, now what did the author really want you to get? What was hidden underneath all those words, that, the takeaway, right? So after everything I've talked about and taught today, here's your takeaway. That you have to be 100% fully no questions asked, believe that God loves you so much that he will never let you crash and burn. He will never let you down. You have to believe he is rooting for you to succeed. Even if I know my kid's going to miss that bar and going down, I'm still rooting them on because they're trying and they're in faith and they're trusting me. Sometimes God's just like, do it. It might hurt when you realize it was wrong, but that's where you grow, right? <clears throat> he becomes so happy and overjoyed when you step out in faith. When my kids trust me and they do it even if they fall, I'm so excited because they just trusted me and tried. And God is no different, but we have to believe. So one of my favorite movies is The Polar Express, and I know that's super unpopular opinion. I don't think I know anybody that actually likes that movie. Oh, yay! I have friends! <laughs> I say that to people, and they're like, why do you watch that movie? I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. But the whole movie, this kid is trying to decide, does he really believe that Santa is real? He says, yeah, he's going along with it, but deep down, he didn't. And towards the end, they're all lost in Santa's village, and his friends 
are being guided by Santa's bells. His friends can hear the bells. And they keep going, oh, I hear them. They're this way. And he's like, I hear nothing. Right? But he's just going along with it. Sometimes people, or yourself, say, I believe in God. I hear his voice. But deep down, you don't really believe. Like that one pastor friend who was a part of Hagen meetings. Her husband actually lived with Hagen. She would say, I can hear from God, but deep down, she didn't really think she could, right? Deep down, you don't really believe. You have the doubts. This kid had doubts tucked deep within. And I love this analogy because it's like God's voice. The kid could, the other kids could hear the bells and kept following the sound. It's like hearing God's voice and following it this way and that. But at the very end, this bell breaks off of Santa's sleigh and it comes bouncing towards him. He's hearing nothing like staring at it like he wants to hear the bells. And it comes bouncing towards him, and he finally picks it up and shakes it. But when he does, what he hears are the words, doubter. Doubter. His inner fears are coming out. Who you really think you are is coming out. And with God, a lot of times, people say, yes, I'm a child of God, but you don't really view him as that loving father. And when you're alone in that moment with God, you hear, doubter. So then he decides to look at this bell, and he clears all that doubt. He pushes those thoughts out. He pushes everything down. And he holds the bell to his ear, and he says, okay, I believe. And then suddenly he can hear the bells and see Santa. Now, I'm a very visual person, so I want you guys to watch this part. What was that you said? You can stop it. So what I love is when he first picked up 
that bell, he heard that whispers of doubter. And the reason why I get teary-eyed and choked up about that is because my heart hurts for those who have this persona of, yes, God loves me, I'm a child of God, but they hear the devil constantly whispering to them, doubt and unbelief. I'm a child of God, but I'm an alcoholic. I'm a smoker. You don't know what I've done. And you sit there in your house, and you want to say, I hear God's voice, but then deep down you hear, you're an alcoholic. You're not a good person. That's what you hear. But God's saying, none of that matters. You're his child. You can hear. <clears throat> so that's where we have to say, I know God's voice. I hear God's voice. I am led by his voice. And just like that little boy did, he had to clear the doubts out. So if that's you and you're at home or you're here and you know that deep down you have those thoughts that keep coming and surfacing. I've had multiple marriages. I can't keep a job. I can't, you know, whatever it may be. My marriage is failing. My children don't speak to me. It's all those things. You have to flip it. Like she had to flip her thoughts and say, no, I hear, I see, and I know. You have to flip your thoughts and say, no, I am a child of God. I do hear his voice. It doesn't matter what you're doing. What matters is where you want to go. God will take you there. It's a journey. It's a process, right? So you have to say, not today, Satan. I truly believe that we do hear and see him. Just as quickly as that boy was able to hear the sound of bells and see Santa, we're able to hear God's voice that quickly once we clear out all that doubt and unbelief. When we truly go to God and say, no, I believe, and our heart is pure in him, you'll hear it. You'll know him. So I want to end this with something that has helped my mother her entire life. She kept this typed up and in places where she can see it on her fridge or in her Bible. And it's something that she's referred to multiple times over, her, over the years. It's hearing, whose voice are you listening to? And why do I say she's kept this for years? Because you go through seasons. Some seasons, you're hearing God's voice and you're doing well. And other seasons, man, it is hard. It's a hard season. So you got God calms, comforts, convicts, encourages, enlightens, leads, reassures, and stills. That's God's voice. At the bottom, I put, my sheep hear my voice, so you say, I hear his voice and I am led. On this side, if you're having these feelings, Satan's voice obsesses. It worries. It condemns. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is me telling that student, you're a failure. How could you do this again? You're going to end up in jail anyways. Why should I even try? Convicting is you made a mistake. You're an alcoholic. You screwed up in your marriage, in your parenting. It's okay. We can fix it. We can fix it. That's conviction. Own your choice. Realize your mistake. Let's move forward. Satan's voice discourages, confuses. When you're confused, what if, what if, what if, that's not God's voice. Pushes, frightens, and rushes. Make a choice now. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. That's John 10, 5, and 27. Why don't you follow a stranger's voice? Because you know his voice. So, it's the teacher in me. 
but I wanted you to have something tangible to take with you to remind you that you do hear your father's voice. So the ushers have these and cards for you guys. You can take them all home, put them on your fridge, put them somewhere where you can see it. And when you're going through a season, look at it. Whose voice am I hearing right now? And if it's not God's, fix it. That's where we fix that, right? You can discern what is right. I should have plenty of cards for everyone, by the way. If I don't, I do come here. So I'll bring more. And also, no judgment. I was cutting them, and my husband goes, those are not straight. And I said, bite me. So <laughs> he's the perfectionist. I'm the, let's just do this, friend. So I did try, though, to be fair. <laughs> but I'm giving this to you so when you are feeling condemned, rushed, worried, you can remind yourself, no, that's the voice of a stranger. That's not my father's voice. And remind yourself what his voice sounds like. So as I close today, I want you to remember that filtering system. Are you daily reading God's word and praying? Are you applying his word in your life? And are you seeking out godly friends who can give you godly advice, who knows specifics about your situation? Then you are capable of making the best decision. Trust God. Trust your choices. I'll let them finish passing out and then we'll pray. <laughs> Don't judge my cutting. <laughs> okay. If we could just bow our heads and close our eyes, even at home and here. Maybe there are some of you today, maybe you're driving in your car and you're listening, or you're at home, or you're here, and you think to yourself, I can't do that filtering process. I can't do that decision process because I don't know God. I don't know Jesus in that way. Then today is a good day to say yes to him. Deep down, you know the right decision is to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's that blue wire. Just go for it. Don't sit there and complicate this decision. You know. If that's you, whether you're at home or here, I want you to just take a moment to raise your hand. You're not going to do anything else. You're just going to raise your hand. Even if you're in your car by yourself, raise your hand. It's that acknowledgement of, I'm going to make this choice, and I'm going to own this choice. So if, as a church, you guys could repeat after me. Father God, I am ready to make the best decision I can in my life. I want Jesus to come into my heart. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died and rose again for me. I want him in my life. I love you, Father. And I thank you for all that you've done for me. I am saved. And I can hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen.